Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to the number eight national seed Texas Tech Red Raider baseball team. I'm your host, Keith Patrick. It's Selection Monday, folks. I've got an instant reaction for you here and a regional preview, throwing it in your feed as quick as I can possibly get it done. Been a lot of fun diving in as I've done my research. We're going to jump in here together and talk about this regional and what the Red Raiders can expect next weekend coming here into Lubbock, Texas. So thanks for jumping in with us. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. From opening weekend all the way through Omaha, we'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. All right, well, there's one thing we need to recap, and I'm not going to spend much time on it at all. The Big 12 Baseball Tournament happened last week and weekend in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma at the Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark. The Red Raiders jumped in on Wednesday. They played Kansas State and beat them 7-4. to Texas Tech is the Big 12 regular season champions, had the one seed in the tournament. Kansas State was the eight seed, so they take them down 7-4 pretty handily Wednesday afternoon. On Thursday afternoon, and keep in mind, this was a weekend that was just completely hammered by weather. Times were changing all over the place. There were games that weren't starting until 10 o'clock at night. Thankfully, Texas Tech didn't get a whole lot of issue with that. They were able to get their games in fairly easily. On Thursday, they dropped their second game to West Virginia 1-5. to That bumped them into the loser's bracket. They did win their next game there against Kansas 7-5, to dominating that state pretty well. Then come back Saturday morning at 10.25 in the morning after waiting for the TCU game to continue. It had been postponed the night before for weather, and they beat West Virginia 10-3. to Just get all over the Mountaineers. Then you have to come back that afternoon. They have to wait for the conclusion of another game, and you're going to have to play West Virginia again. Now, this is a semifinal game. Really only the first time that the one seed in the Big 12 tournament has been in the semifinal game since 2009. Just not something you see a lot of one seeds going to the tournament and making deep runs. And I think we all know why the tournament's a throwaway. If you're a team that goes into the Big 12 Conference tournament and you're already set up, your resume's good, you're looking good for the NCAA tournament for hosting maybe a national seed, you don't have a lot to play for. So you don't want to get out there and throw it out all on the field and hurt guys and take chances. So you don't see a lot of those deep runs. So the Red Raiders hop into that afternoon game with West Virginia. The bats are cold, and they just simply don't get it done. They lose that one two to nothing to exit the tournament, but they won three games in Bricktown. That's not a bad outing. I said going in that it was important for the Red Raiders to win one. They needed to get to the weekend at the Big 12 tournament. They did that. They ended up winning three, and I think that was enough to give their resume a little bit of a bump. There were some questions going into Selection Monday whether or not Oklahoma State would jump Texas Tech. In my opinion, that's just an asinine conversation. Oklahoma State, sure, they got hot at the end of the season. They got on a run, but when you look at that run, it's not as impressive as everyone wants to make it out to be. First of all, the Red Raiders absolutely smoked them when they swept them in Lubbock. And then the Cowboys went up to Oregon State and swept them. Now, 
Oregon State was already on the downslide. They had lost a midweek series to Nevada on the road. They'd lost a midweek at home to Gonzaga. They were starting to struggle. That was kind of their downward trajectory. They end up the number 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. So they're hosting a regional, but not guaranteed to host their super, not a national seed this year for the Beavers. So yeah, the Pokes went and did something big. That was positive. It helped Texas Tech as well. But I don't think it was quite as impressive as everyone wanted to make it out to be. Although, don't let me take away a road win against a good power. I'm just saying it wasn't like they walked into L.A. and spanked the Bruins. You know, Oregon State's just not the same team as we've seen before. Oklahoma State continued that run. They won their series with OU in Bedlam. They did not get the sweep. And then they hosted Baylor. That weekend was marred by weather, and they did what they needed to do to also help the Red Raiders win the conference. And they did go in, and they won the conference tournament. I think that's strong, but it's not as strong as winning the Big 12 regular season title, which Texas Tech was able to come from behind and do. Other teams could not hold on to make it happen. So I did not think that any kind of conversation that was going on on Twitter about the Pokes hopping over the Red Raiders made any sense whatsoever, but that conversation was happening. So on Sunday night, we see the 16 hosts are announced. They're not ranked, but you know who's hosting at that point. You knew Texas Tech was going to host, so no major surprise there. And then the selection show goes, and I got a little bit nervous. Georgia Tech ends up as the number three national seed. That was a bit of a surprise for me. Seeing Georgia Tech that high made me nervous as far as Texas Tech potentially getting bumped down. But UCLA was your number one overall seed. No surprise there. They haven't lost a series all season. They have not lost a midweek game all season. Just really been a positive, powerful one for them. Vanderbilt's the two seed. Again, no surprise. Been very strong. Had an incredibly strong recruiting class this year. Vanderbilt holds on and gets that two seed. Georgia Tech, the three, as I mentioned. Georgia, the four seed. Not a big surprise there. Arkansas, the five. Mississippi State, the six. And then I started to wonder... Is Texas Tech going to hop in the 7 or 8, or is there going to be a surprise here? Louisville was the team that I thought Texas Tech had jumped. I thought there was a potential for the Red Raiders to get themselves into that 6-7 to seed conversation. Louisville lost both of their games in their conference tournament and had not showed out particularly well. And the Red Raiders end up in the 8 seed. Louisville is the 7, and Oklahoma State follows Texas Tech as the 9. You round it out with East Carolina, Stanford, Ole Miss, LSU, North Carolina, West Virginia hops in with a 15 seed in their strong showing late in the season, and then Oregon State with the 16 seed. So what ends up happening, and I hate to admit it, the Big 12 Conference Tournament serves the purpose that the conference wants it to serve. An empty ballpark in Oklahoma City with a ton of weather around gives West Virginia a chance to play themselves into a host, which they did not have before entering that tournament, I would argue, and it allows the Cowboys to play themselves into at least some sort of a conversation about the national host and puts them in the nine-seed spot. Unfortunately, what that also does is then pair Texas Tech's regional, the Lubbock regional, with the Oklahoma City regional, Oklahoma State. They're not hosting in Stillwater. They're hosting in Oklahoma City at Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark. So now 
if those two teams win their regionals, which is likely that they will, hopefully, then you have Texas Tech and Oklahoma State paired up in a super. So you have a Big 12 super regional. And this is a problem across the bracket. I believe there's five of eight potential supers that could have, if chalk holds, that would have conference matchups between the Big 12 and the SEC in their own respective conferences. I just don't think it's positive for baseball to have conference matches in the round of 16 in the NCAA tournament. You can do better than that. There's more good teams out there. There's better baseball to be played than have conferences who've already been feeding on each other all season have to go into the round of 16 and feed on each other as well. So I wish that the committee would find a way to work through that. And their explanation was now that they rank the top 16 seeds, which there was a time where you got the top eight seeds and then the other eight, the bottom eight were not ranked. You just knew that they were in the top 16. They didn't have a rank assigned to them. So now that they rank all 16, they say they do that on merit and they don't pay any attention to conference alignment. So then you come out with these matchups that end up being conference on conference in the super if chalk holds. Well, I don't see the reason why you can't rank them on merit and then do a little bit of swapping around to get teams to get teams not matched in their own super if they do win their regional because you can move teams around in the top 8 or in the bottom 8 without crossing that 8 to 9 line and you're not hurting anybody. I mean, sure, the matchups are changing, but you're not hurting those teams as far as their national seed or not having one. So I don't see the issue in, in bouncing them around. But that's neither here nor there. Let's hop in and talk about this Lubbock Regional, what we have to look forward to, and who the Red Raiders will be hosting starting this next weekend. Texas Tech is a national seed. That doesn't mean it's an automatic bid, though. In the current format, only 21 of the 48 top eight seeds have made it to Omaha. That's only 44%. So the Red Raiders are obviously the one seed in their own regional, and they'll be hosting as the two through four seed, Dallas Baptist University, the Florida Gators, and Army, the Black Knights of West Point. So you have a fairly tough regional. At the surface, it may seem like Dallas Baptist and, and Army, who cares? Florida's the one to be scared of. That is not necessarily true. What you end up with is Texas Tech versus Army in the Friday afternoon game. That'll be at 3 o'clock Central Time. And then Florida and Dallas Baptist will play in the Friday evening game in the 2-3 matchup. Now, we're going to go through each of these teams. I'll tell you a little bit about them. But there are definitely some things to fear here. And I have some comparisons for you to the previous years that Texas Tech has hosted regionals to let you kind of get an idea how difficult this one might be. So we'll run through these teams and who Texas Tech will be hosting, and I'll give you an idea of what those matchups will look like. We'll start with Army as Texas Tech will face them first. So the Black Knights are 35-24 and 24 on the season. They play in the Patriot League. They're 15-10 and 10 in conference, and they're 19-13 and 13 on the road. Now remember, here's the power of the tournament. The Red Raiders are hosting, so we're looking at home records for Texas Tech. We're looking at away records for all these other teams and, and seeing where their weaknesses might be. Now, Army's RPI is 150. I wouldn't let that play too much into your perception of them. They're the Patriot League champions, so they got the automatic qualifier bid from the Patriot League. And they have a little bit of baseball history in them. They've got 10 conference championships under their belt since they joined the Patriot League. So since 1997, they've won 10 titles in their conference, and they've had seven NCAA tournament berths 
starting in 2004. 4, 5, 9, 12, 14, 18, and 19. This is not a bad ball club. They have not advanced to a super regional, but they're definitely a team that can be dangerous. Now, if you don't know who the Patriot League is, quickly, they have the American University, Boston University, Bucknell, Colgate, College of the Holy Cross, Lafayette College, Lehigh, Loyola, Maryland, Army, and then Navy competes in the Patriot League. These are both competing in baseball and possibly other sports. Now, as far as the national picture goes, Army ranks in the top 25 in a few categories nationally. They rank ninth in stolen bases with 123, seventh in walks with 343, very patient at the plate. They also like to play small ball. They're fourth in sacrifice bunts. They have 55. Now, one thing about that sack bunt category You're going to see a lot of that. You see that a lot of times from these four seeds. They come into a regional. They do everything they can, throw the kitchen sink at knocking off that one seed, that regional one seed in the first game. Lots of small ball, lots of base stealing, you know, just really trying to manufacture runs. They may have that one stud pitcher that can stand up on that one night and it ends up throwing a regional and, you know, going haywire. One thing I will mention when it comes to sack bunts and that kind of stuff, especially early in games, you only have so many outs. I mean, you only have 27 outs in the game. And those aren't just opportunities for you to score. Those are also outs that need to be protected. You know, don't give those outs away, especially early. Hold on to your outs, protect them dearly. And so for a team that's going to walk in and try to manufacture runs and you start sack bunting, you're just giving away your outs. You're burning outs strategically trying to get yourself runs. And sometimes that's a trade-off that doesn't work out well for you, especially against a team that can get as hot hitting as the Red Raiders can. So I wouldn't look at that and say an automatic, uh-oh. I think that it just depends on how the Red Raiders going to hit and does Army have a pitcher that can stand up and make something happen. And we'll talk about them in a second from that standpoint. They're 16th in the country and on base percentage at 400, and they also do not hit for power. They're 169th in slugging percentage, and they're actually 219th in home runs. They're even worse. They're in the 270s in home runs per game. So not a team that's going to be raking it and hitting for a lot of power. They're a team that's kind of manufacturing their own runs. But they do seem to have some speed with the stolen base numbers that you're seeing. And they make the most of those stolen bases based on how many of those they have compared to their walks. So they're getting a lot of guys on base from walks and patience, and then they're making it pay by turning those into extra bases with stolen bags. But remember, Red Raider pitching is going to be far superior to what they've faced before, so those walk numbers may not be as much of a factor as long as the Red Raiders are throwing strikes. They did have quite a few Patriot League all-conference players. They do have one stud player. I mean, he is the guy that you see all over everything. His name is Jacob Erdebees. I know I'm butchering that probably. It's a French name. He is a junior at West Point. He's their center fielder. He's from Zionsville, Indiana. And he also came out of a junior college for them. Erdebees, he really showed off his range in center field. He led all Patriot League outfielders with 118 putouts. He had a 992 fielding percentage. He had two outfield assists on the season. That defense helped hold that ERA down for those pitchers, and they had a league low 392 team ERA. And then he had 64 putouts in Patriot League play in center field with a fielding percentage of 1,000. He's 26th in batting average in the country with a 383, and he's 12th in runs with 70 runs scored. 
He's second in on-base percentage nationally with 550. He's third in stolen bases with 45, and he's second in walks with 68. So he was money in conference play for them. He's also money at the plate as well, and he was not only the defensive player of the year, he was a first-team All-Patriot League player as well, along with Daniel Burgraff, who was a senior a starting pitcher, Trey Martin, the shortstop, Anthony Giacchini, the third baseman. He is actually 12th in the nation in doubles with 24, and he's 14th in RBI with 67. So this kid can play. Erdebees can play. Giacchini can play. I know we can talk about competition all day long, but when it comes down to it, these guys are producing. They had three Patriot League second team players, a starting pitcher, Tyler Giovincho, a relief pitcher, Cam Opp. He's a senior. Both of those are. And their DH, Jeremiah Adams, was also a second teamer. So definitely have shown that they can play. They dominated that league. They won their second league championship in a row. And I think they could be a salty team in this regional. I don't think they're going to beat the Red Raiders on Friday. I think Texas Tech can certainly outclass them from a offensive standpoint. I think that they can get all over them from a physicality and talent standpoint. But I don't think they're a trash team by any means. And I wouldn't let their RPI of 150 fool you. That's the four seed in the regional. We can move back up to the two seed and talk about the two and three. Dallas Baptist is the two seed. They play in the Missouri Valley Conference. Dallas Baptist is a team that scares me. They are every year. The Red Raiders played them in their last Red Raiders played them in their last midweek game last year, and that was just an absolute beatdown. Not an enjoyable game to attend. DBU's 41 and 18 on the season. They're 14 and 7 in conference, 14 and 9 on the road. Their RPI is 25. And they certainly are a team that has put together a pretty solid baseball program over the last few years. They won their regional in Fort Worth in 2011 to advance to the Super. That's the furthest they've ever gone. They've gone to the NCAA tournament nine times, 2008 and 11, 2012, then 2014, all the way through 19. So they have been very consistent over the last few years. Their first year playing in Division One was in 2004. Um, so don't be completely shocked with them. They are really quite the team. They're always salty to play. They always have a great offense and really can uh, can push you from that side. Nationally, when you compare them, they're top 25 in runs. They have 417 runs scored. Top 25 in doubles with 119. Home runs with 70. Strikeouts per nine with almost 10 strikeouts a game. And their strikeout to walk ratio is 18th in the country. They're also 27th in slugging percentage at 459, and they're 26th in shutouts with five shutouts on the season. So definitely a team that offensively and from a pitching standpoint really show you some things. If you're not familiar with the Missouri Valley Conference, Dallas Baptist is in there. Of course, Illinois State, Indiana State, Bradley, Evansville, Missouri State, Valparaiso, and Southern Illinois. DBU, Illinois State, and Indiana State were all salty baseball teams this year. DBU and Illinois State, I believe, both got nods and got into the tournament. As far as their all-conference teams go, they really had a lot of guys on there. Bryce Ball, their DH, was a first-team all-conference player. He's 22nd in the nation with 17 dingers. He's also 29th in the nation with 47 walks. Jimmy Glowinky, their shortstop, was a first teamer Luke Bandy they're out an outfielder also MD Johnson he's a starting pitcher was a first teamer he's 56th in the nation with a 246 ERA he's 22nd with nine wins 27th with a 0.96 whip 
He's got 15 starts this season, and he's 30th with 108 strikeouts. And then their relief pitcher, Burl Caraway, was a first-teamer also. Jackson Glenn, third baseman, and Jordan Martinson, another starting pitcher, were both second-teamers. Martinson also has 15 starts. He's got 105 strikeouts, so he's 42nd in the nation. Blaine Jones was an honorable mention. And then a, most of those guys, Blaine Jones, the second baseman, Glowinky, the shortstop, Bandy, the outfielder, and Martinson, the starting pitcher, were also on the all-defense team for Missouri Valley. So a strong conference and a team that travels well. You know They call them regionals, and that's really what they are. NCAA baseball does try to get some local-type regional teams together in those regionals. That's why we see New Mexico State a lot at Texas Tech. That's why there were projections for Texas A&M, for Texas State. So you get Dallas Baptist, which is honestly a tough draw. Now, you won't see them on Friday – I would guess that you would see them on Saturday. And the way that bracket will go, Texas Tech will play Army Friday afternoon. Dallas Baptist and Florida will play Friday evening. And the winner of those two games will play Saturday evening at 6 p.m. I would guess, if you just were taking picks, Texas Tech beats Army, Dallas Baptist beats Florida, and that's who you'll meet at 6 p.m. on Saturday. If you win that game too, you play for the regional championship Sunday night at 8. If you don't win that third game, then you go on to Monday and play at 3 p.m. So the final team coming to Lubbock for this regional is Florida. Florida comes out of the SEC. I'm assuming you know who is in the SEC. Florida, if I could compare for you, very much the UT of the SEC this season. A College World Series team last year, a team that Texas Tech put into the loser's bracket in the College World Series and then ultimately lost to in their Thursday game to be knocked out of that tournament. Florida is 31-27 and 27 on the season, but they're 13-17 and 17 in conference, and they're 6-12 and 12 on the road. So the SEC tournament's first round is a single elimination round that then goes to double elimination after. Florida was knocked out in round one. So once again, similar to Texas, you have a College World Series team that is now the three-seed in a regional and barely made their own conference tournament. Texas, a College World Series team last year that did not even make the Big 12 tournament, nor nor did they make the NCAA tournament. So despite the abysmal record, and, and I'm, I'm focusing on that record a little bit, especially the conference record of 13 and 17, the committee said last year that one of the most important things they looked at, at least in 2018, was being above 500 in your conference. They wanted to see quality conference wins. Florida 13 and 17 just was not able to put it together in the SEC this year, but their RPI still hung up at 27. So you guess you can understand them, you know, hanging around a little bit. The RPI is not the end all be all, but it is an indicator. They have a ton of baseball tradition there. I know you know that. They have 15 conference titles under their belt dating back to 1952. They have 35 NCAA tournament appearances dating back to 58. Of course, this year makes their 35th. Of course, 2018, they were a College World Series participant. 2017, they won the College World Series and they were a national champion. They've won a regional 13 times and they've been to the CWS 12 times. They actually went in a row 15, 16, 17, and 18. So you've seen a lot from them over the last few years under under Kevin O'Sullivan, and they 
won the title in 17. They've also been the runner-up twice in 2005 and 2011. Lots of tradition there, a really solid program by no mistake. But when you look at their national rankings, as far as statistics go, it's abysmal. I mean, it's really a surprise to me that this team is a three seed in a regional. If it weren't for their tough conference and their high RPI, you'd almost wonder why they made the tournament at all. Their only top 25 ranking nationally statistically is home runs. They have 70. Other than that, they're 35th in slugging percentage at 452, and then it just gets terrible. Uh, they are b- ranked below 100 in doubles, triples, stolen bases, walks, strikeouts, ERA, hits allowed per nine, whip, and shutouts. They're below 200 in the rankings in double plays. They're 273rd in double plays. There's only 299 teams in Division One baseball. They're 213th in strikeouts per nine innings. And they're below 200 in hit by pitch and in sack bunts. I mean, they just are not a team that's doing much of anything this year, offensively or from the mound. They're just not solid. They had two SEC conference selections. Their DH and utility infielder, Nelson Maldonado, was a first-team All-SEC player, He the only one they had. They had no one on the second team, no one honorable mention. And they had Kendrick Kalilau, their first baseman, on the freshman All-SEC team. I have no idea if I said that right. I'm not looking it up. So they are just not a team that, I, that I'm that i really worried about. I mean, I know that they're a D1 team from a power conference, really the best baseball conference. The Big 12's second RPI conference, also strong. But the SEC, top to bottom, can push you. I get that they are in that conference, that they play quality opponents. They have a lot of history, but man, it is a, it's a tough year for Florida. I could certainly see them exiting this regional very early. I think it's possible that they're the first team out of the Lubbock regional. They could absolutely lose to Dallas Baptist, if, especially if DBU gives them their best shot. And then I think there's a real potential that Army could beat them as well because they just have a little bit better pitching and can manufacture their own runs where Florida doesn't seem to be able to do that at all, although they do hit for a little bit of power. So we'll see how that plays out, but it should be very interesting in the Lubbock Regional. It's a good one. It's not the hardest in the country. It's certainly not the easiest either. Texas Tech does not have a simple path. And speaking of that path and comparing to years before, I saw some conversations on Twitter. You know, which year has been the easiest? Let's look at the RPIs and use that as a comparison. So for this season, here in 2019, the current RPI of these teams – going into the regional by seed are 11, 25, 27, and 150. Now, just using RPI, that's not looking at strength of schedule or anything else, just RPI. So the median of that is 26. The average is 53. So if you remember your stats class, the median is the middle of those numbers. The mean is the average of those numbers. So those outliers like a 150 or a 200 plus can change that median. So I'll give you both so you have something to compare with. 26 is the median in 2019, 53 the average RPI of the 2019 Lubbock Regional. So if we go all the way back to 2014, now Lubbock didn't host in 2014, but they went to the Coral Gables Regional, which was hosted by Miami, and they won it, and then came back to Lubbock to play their Super Regional against College of Charleston. So that regional was Miami as the one seed, Texas Tech is the two, although Texas Tech's RPI was five spots better than Miami back in 2014. Columbia was the three at a 35, and Bethune-Cookman was the four, the AQ at a 208. So that year, you had a median of 25 and a mean of 67. So compare that to this year, 25-67, this year 26-53. So 
Not too far off there from a difficulty standpoint if you use RPI. In 2016, you had Texas Tech hosting Dallas Baptist as the two seed. New Mexico was the three seed. And Fairfield was that AQ that you got as a four seed. That year, it was Tech 14, DBU 22, New Mexico 48, and Fairfield 183. So that median mean was 3567. So 2016, 3567. This year, 2653. 2017, which I think most would agree was Texas Tech's maybe most talented team, and there was a lot of disappointment in losing that regional to Sam Houston State. That year, Texas Tech was a five in the RPI, Arizona 23, Sam Houston State 54, and Delaware 123. So that year, your median was a 39, your mean was a 51 RPI. So definitely a salty year. But 2018 was really the year that I think you looked at from a on paper was the most difficult regional and really in actuality ended up not being a lot of trouble for the Red Raiders. Texas Tech was the 10 in the RPI, and that one is the one seed, Louisville 24, Kent State 61, New Mexico State 87. So you didn't have anybody's RPI 90 or above. Everyone was below 90, and you had some really some really high ones there. So that one, your median was 43, your mean was 46. So that was really an average RPI of 46. That was your toughest year that you've seen when you look up and down the line here. So what I wonder, too, and I I look through some extra numbers that you can access in the archives as far as strength of schedules and things like that, what I do wonder about is when you look at strength of schedule and road RPI, that's an interesting one as well. In 2018, all of those teams had a road RPI that was very high. And so you were dealing with teams that were successful on the road all season and continued to be, where in other years, 2016 and 2017, you were dealing with teams whose road RPI was quite low and weren't really very successful on the road. Dallas Baptist in 2016 was not an example of that. They were a tough one. So those are some interesting numbers to look at. They may say a lot, they may not, but you can kind of take them for what they're worth. When you compare over the years, 2017 was a tough, tough year from a hosting standpoint, but 2018 was from the metrics, probably the toughest year that Texas Tech hosted. Road RPIs were very high for those teams. Strength of schedule was very high. Opponent strength of schedule was very high. 2019, we don't have all of those numbers yet. Strength of schedule, road RPI, things like that. But looking at these teams as I've researched, Army makes me a little bit nervous in only that they're, I think they're a better team than their record reflects than their RPI reflects. Dallas Baptist, though, is a team that I didn't want. That that was something I talked about on the radio last week when I visited with others. Not looking forward to having them here. They're a very good team. I want to beat anybody anywhere. I know I'm just like the rest of you, but that's a team that'll make you nervous a little bit and get you biting your fingernails. So we've talked about the others. Let's compare Texas Tech just a little bit to give you some other numbers in your head to understand who stands where and how close, and then you have a little bit better idea. So after that Big 12 Conference tournament, the Red Raiders now sit at 39-17. and 17. They're 16-8 and eight in conference. Their home record is 25-6, and six, so that's really what you're looking for as far as hosting. They're 4-4 four and four on neutral sites, 10-7 and seven away. So when you look at those rankings, to give you a little bit of comparison, the Red Raiders blow all of those teams out of the water, even the ones that look good. Their top 
20 for the most part, top 25 in batting average at 17 as a team with a 301. Their scoring is top 15, 7.7 runs a game. They're 19 in the nation in runs with 429. Their hits are number 21 with 593. Doubles, doubles per game are in the teens. Walks are in the teens, number 14. Double plays, number three in the country. I didn't even realize that, that the Red Raiders are turning two so often. Just really, really looking nice. Really the only places you see kind of those deficiencies, those little bit low. Stolen bases per game isn't particularly high. And even though you see the Red Raiders steal a lot of bags, they're only 94th in the country overall. And I guess you're really seeing Gabe Holt steal for the most part, Dylan Noisy a fair bit, not seeing a ton of guys steal. And then, of course, the Red Raiders don't play small ball. So Sack Bunts, uh, 244th in the country, which is just fine. Walks allowed per nine, they're a little bit low in that, but I think you've seen ERAs continuing to improve more and more as you've gone along. Caleb Killian's ERA has continued to walk back down as he's continued to pitch very well. And they hit a few batters, so that's another one that you see a a negative ranking for. But overall, the Red Raiders, from a ranking standpoint, look like a very salty team. They're doing a lot of things really, really well. I mean, it's you're almost hard-pressed to find an offensive category that they're not ranked in the top 50. There's a lot of really nice stuff there when you roll through them. And then from a player standpoint, you can go through the leaders on this team, and you got top 75 in batting average, in runs, in hits, in doubles. Josh Young is absolutely killing it in doubles. He's got 21 on the season. That's that's good enough for 22 in the country. Dylan Noisy's triples number still holding him in the top 15. Cameron Warren's RBI is good for 14 in the country. His RBI per game is 17. Josh Young walks per game is top 25. Gabe Holt's stolen base numbers have him in the top 30 for the most part. So really, the Red Raiders overall looking good. From a pitching standpoint, as I said, you're starting to see guys kind of eke back up there and inch their way forward. And one thing that we haven't talked about a lot, Brian Klein is number three in the nation in sacrifice flies. I mean, when you have guys on base and you need to get yourself a run in, especially somebody on third, Brian Klein's a good guy to see walking up into the box. He has nine sack flies on the season. He's been really good about getting that done, unselfishly playing, and put that ball where it needs to go to score that run. But overall, I think the Red Raiders look pretty good. I think it's a regional that's going to be good and competitive, but that is winnable for them. And then the negative part, potentially facing Oklahoma State in the Super Regional should both teams win. So just to look at that Super really briefly, I'm not going to break down all these teams, but Oklahoma State is is hosting Harvard, Nebraska, and UConn at their regional in Oklahoma City at Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark. Don't know a lot about Harvard or UConn right now. I do know Nebraska just played in the Big Ten Conference Tournament Championship, and they lost that game. Three to one, but of course, that's a team you faced once in Frisco on what was a really bad weekend for Texas Tech. So, potentially an opportunity there, a team that can be a little bit more salty. Harvard's also a team with a lot of baseball tradition, and I don't just mean far back history tradition, but ongoing and continuing tradition. That's a team that can give you fit. So, we'll see how Oklahoma State does out there if they're as hot as everybody thinks they are, because regional play will absolutely expose your weaknesses. you got to be able to manufacture runs. you got to be able to hit to all fields. And you definitely have to have pitching depth if you're going to be competitive in a regional and, and other tournament play. So Oklahoma State, it's time for them to put the money where the mouth is, and you'll see how well they do. 
Well, that's going to do it for me, folks. We've looked ahead to this regional. It should be a fun week of preparation around the LBK. Lots of conversations going to go on about baseball and what's happening. It's a great time of year for college baseball. I'll be on with Rob Bro and Carson Robinson on the Rob Bro Show on Talk 1340 here in Lubbock. Looking forward to that, talking about this regional, breaking down these teams. should be a lot of fun to be on there with those guys. And if you're not somebody that normally goes out to Texas Tech baseball games, just one word of advice. Watch the folks around you. See how they're acting. See when they're cheering and when they're not. See what they're saying and what they're not. And pay a little bit of attention. Remember that there are people that have been there all season long sitting in that seat, cheering for those guys, doing the things that they do. Be a little bit respectful of that. Remember that maybe coming in in the postseason, while everyone's glad you're there to make noise, that maybe you're the newcomer. And remember there have been folks around all season long invested in that team that deserve a little bit of a right away to be where they want to sit, say what they want to say. So just remember that, not to be too salty about it. Just remember there are other folks around that have been there. Hey, we appreciate you. Looking forward to seeing some postseason baseball here in the LBK. Looking forward to talking to you. If I don't see you or talk to you before then, have a good one. Enjoy the baseball. Wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone. There's just one kind of man that you can trust. That's a dead man or a gringo like me. Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me